Hello, and thank you for listening to the Greater Life Church podcast. This message was recorded Wednesday, April 10th, 2019. For this Wednesday night Bible study, Pastor Hughes delivers a tag team message with his brother, Dr. James Hughes. He returns to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, and uses Paul's writing about transforming our minds to realize the best that God has for us. We hope that you are blessed by this message and will subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play. We invite you to join us in person for service each Sunday at 1030 and at 630 and Wednesday nights at 730 for Bible study. If you cannot join us in person, you can view our messages live by visiting our website at www.greaterlc.com. Greater Life Church now brings you Pastor Mark and Dr. James Hughes with God's Best for You. Well, I'm going to do something tonight I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. And I just never have had the courage to do it. But you're going to get to, we're going to experiment on you tonight. I've always wanted to tag team. When I was a kid, I used to watch wrestling and I always thought it was cool, those tag team matches. And one of them was in the ring and he'd taken all he could take. He'd reach out and tap his partner and he'd climb in. Well, my brother's going to tag team with me tonight. He, come on up here, brother. Um, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I feel the Lord. So we're going to just let it flow. He's going to pull my coattail when he feels like he needs to tell you something. And when I get where I need to tell you something, I'll pull his coattail. Amen. Hope that doesn't distract any of you too badly. Romans chapter 12. Last Wednesday night, for those of you that were not here, we began an exploration of the first two verses of Romans 12. And the more I have read them and looked at the depth of Paul's instruction the more I realize how uh, powerful and how transforming this can be to our lives if we can fully embrace it and understand it. Um, we hear something so many times that we fail to realize how Powerful that principle is, but I am sincere when I tell you tonight, if there's any, any message or any lesson that I could have taught or been taught early in my life, I think this probably would have been the one that could have helped me overcome many of my personal struggles. Read with me, if you will, verse one and verse two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let me read that from the message translation. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily Recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. And he develops well-formed maturity 
in you. I talked to you about God's best for you, and I want to pick up and move forward with that tonight, if you'll allow me, and my brother's going to help. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I kind of feel like that uh, chauffeur that was carrying this highly gifted professor all over the country he was giving these lectures at all the great colleges in the U.S. about the planetary system and and all of the physics and all of the, uh, the, the calculations that were involved in, in determining certain factors that go on in the universe. And he had traveled through many, many cities and had heard this thing over and over and over and over again. And finally, as they were traveling from one place to the next, he said, you know what, boss? He said, I think I could give your speech just as good as you could give it because I've listened to you for all these weeks. He said, okay. He said, you know what? The next place we're going, they don't know me. They've never met me. They don't know what I look like. We're going to change places. I'm going to let you do it. I'll be the chauffeur. So they came in. The, the chauffeur, disguised as the professor, got before the audience, and he gave his presentation. And when he got through, they gave him three standing ovations. And then they all grew quiet, and there was a few minutes left in the session. And so the head of the college stepped up, and he said, since we have a few minutes remaining, we're going to open the floor for any questions that you want to ask the professor. And so there's this young guy back there, big old thick bottle glasses, just five or six books under both arms, and he stands up and he begins to ask, what was the uh, likelihood and, and, and what would be the atmospheric pressure if a piece of a, uh, a meteor broke off at, at a certain distance from the earth and began moving toward earth and at this particular juncture in time they would collide and what would be the power of that explosion and what would be the ramifications to the universe of that kind of event. And he just kept going on on. Finally, when he got through the... The guy just stood there for a moment. He said, you know what, folks? I I tell you, that's the dumbest question I think I've ever heard asked in my life. And just to show you how dumb it is, I'm going to ask my chauffeur in the back to answer that question. So he's not my chauffeur, but uh, he's going to straighten out everything I get wrong tonight, I think. I am sincerely convinced that one of the greatest failures as a child of God is underestimating what God really wants to do in our life. For whatever reason, we have grown up feeling that we have to do certain things to merit God's favor and His blessings and desires. And I do understand where some of that comes from. But there's a part of God that we fail to embrace. And if we could understand that about God, his attitude toward us is always, as Paul mentioned here, for our good. It is for the to bring out the best in me. So anything that God does in my life, anything he takes me through, any problem that I have to live through, is not God just trying to find what my breaking point is, but he is using that because he knows that in me is something yet to be birthed or something yet to be discovered, that if I discover it is going to help push me and, and motivate me and pull me to a closer relationship with him and more in his likeness. And that's His desire for us. The Bible said that God's will for me is my sanctification. Now, sanctification is one of those words we don't ever hear mentioned in church anymore because nobody knows what it means. But it actually means being set apart or made holy unto God. And the interesting thing that is often missed is that that your conversion may have been a moment, but sanctification is a process of a lifetime. And so what we fail to understand 
in God's working in our life is that he's not finished with any of us yet. And he is continually working on us and developing and drawing and dealing with us and speaking to us to help bring us to a better place. And so last week we looked at uh, chapter 12 and I'm going to very quickly mention a few things and then we're going to move into tonight's thought. But what I tried to explain and what I attempted to show you, help you understand is that when Paul talked about not being conformed to this world. He was not just referencing the ideologies or the, the the leanings of the world as a whole. Everything that is anti-God. I don't know that we have a great deal of trouble with many of those things. I think we know where the boundaries are. But where we struggle is the things that go on in our world. Our family. In our relationships. On our job. And so what, what, what may not affect us in the world at general, I, I don't want to drink, I don't feel like smoking, I don't feel like cheating on my wife, I don't feel like lying and all, you know, we, we can, we can keep ourselves at a safe distance and yet our life can still be in turmoil because of what's going on in our world, in my life right now. And it causes me to not trust him or have confidence in him. And so Paul is saying it's important that I not be conformed to this world, but you better not let your world affect you either. You need to make sure that it doesn't press you into something that God does not want in your life. And so that was a, that was basically what I tried to tell you last week. And tonight I want to go a step further. I want to talk about the the power of the transformation that God mentions here in his word. And according to scripture, the only thing that enables us to be transformed and the only other time that word is used in scripture is in the book of Matthew and Mark and I think maybe John when it talked about uh, the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration and the word transfiguration is used and he talks about his countenance was changed and the vision uh, and his, his garments glowed and his face was aglow and they were so mesmerized by that that they wanted to build three temples or three tabernacles right there in honor of the event that they were experiencing. The same word of transformation or, or what happened to him there in that garden is the same word that Paul is referencing here. That that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to create and produce such a powerful change that there's evidence in our life, in our our face, on our countenance, in the way we conduct ourselves, and in the way we live. So that we're not just going through these motions and, and calling ourselves something, but never enjoying what we call ourselves. Right. Amen. So transformation is what we want to talk about. And the only way Paul understood that transformation can happen for us is through the renewing of the mind through the renewing of the mind and so this makes the mind a topic of extreme importance for all of us and i don't want to get bogged down but i'm going to give you some scientific research the newest Latest scientific research concerning the brain. My brother will jump in here in, in a moment and, and share with you some other things. But what I want you to understand is that science is just now discovering what the Word of God has said for hundreds and hundreds of years. And we will not believe the Word, but we will believe science. Right. And so... The mind, everybody say the mind. Say, I have a mind. It's more than your brain. You see, many people are of the opinion that your brain is what forms your thoughts. 
But it's not so according to the research that I've, I've been reading and what my brother has shared with me. It is your thoughts that actually control and affect the growth and the development of the brain. So if we understand how powerful our thought is, our thought life is, and we learn how to effectively manage that or channel it in the right direction, then what's going to happen in our life is a transformation. There's going to be such a change in us that people everywhere are going to recognize something has happened in your life. Amen. So everybody needs to understand and write this down. The key to a changed life is a changed mind. Amen. Now, this is where it gets a little sticky because I'm guilty as a preacher of telling people you need to pray. But then I don't ever give people instructions on how to pray. And so a lot of people wind up not praying because they say, I don't know how to pray. What do I do? I don't know what to say. So tonight, I'm not going to just tell you, you need to change your mind. I want to start talking to you over the next week or so about how we can really effectively see our mind, our thoughts begin to change. And as we change those thoughts, watch what happens with the rest of our life, what flows out of us as we begin to work on what's going on up here. Those thoughts that come and go, the random things that you think mean nothing. It doesn't matter that I meditate on them. Yet, in fact, they are the things that are forming and shaping the brain, which in turn is affecting the body and how you function. Amen. Now, the doctor's here, so he'll going to correct anything I tell you wrong. But anyway, it's critical in this whole process to understand that God has a part in this and I have a part in this. The word transform that Paul uses is in the passive voice, which I'm, I told you Sunday, the passive voice means that the action is happening to you. So the transformation is what God is doing to me. But the renewing of the mind is in the middle voice, which means that's what I'm doing to myself. So God will change me when I start learning how to work on my own mind. Amen. Now, let me tell you about the mind. The Bible says that we need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, the word spirit there indicates a mindset or an attitude. So your mind has an attitude. And I've seen people change their thoughts, but they had not changed their attitudes and nothing changes in their life. You can think on everything different you want. It's not just about thinking on different things. It's about starting at the root with the motivation behind why you feel that way and think that way and begin to work on that attitude of the mind. And when we are renewed in the spirit of our mind, there's an effect that trickles down, not just in the mind, but into the literal body and into your being. And it brings health and healing and transformation. Amen. Now, I'm going to hurry up. Uh, Recent medical research uh, confirms the things that we've already known in the Bible, but I want to give it to you so I can maybe help solidify what I'm trying to get at. But it was the thinking for years that, that the medical field believed that certain people who had incurable issues of the brain, they were that, they were incurable. That if there were certain things that happened because of the makeup of the brain and what was believed about the brain, they felt like that it could not be reversed. If a person had a stroke, they just had to learn how to live with it. If they had some kind of brain injury or damage done to them, that they would have to learn how to cope with that. Cardiovascular events, learning disabilities, trauma, PTSD, OCD, depression, anxiety, and even others that we know about in our day, they labeled them, those people were labeled as incurable because they all viewed the mind as something that was hardwired and fixed and could not be adjusted. 
And then in the late 18, 1980s, somewhere in there in the early 1990s, some people, some of our, of the scientists began to question that because they began to use certain types of therapy on patients that had brain injuries or that had learning disabilities or had other disorders going on in their life. And they began to see these radical changes coming in their life that had been labeled as incurable and unhealable or unfixable. They began to watch people's motor skills begin to function again. People that had suffered brain damage from an injury that they had been written off. They began to do certain types of therapy that stimulated their brain. And when they did, those hands that had been dormant began to move and even their legs. And so they began to understand that what the doctors had taught, which was compensation, not restoration, was a fallacy. And so as they explored it more, they began to to question this assumed knowledge. And this therapeutic technique began to be used more and more. And they began to see more and more amazing results. And their results confirmed that far from the brain being fixed, and I quote, Far from the brain being fixed in toxicity or some kind of, of, of set way or set thinking, it could change even in the most challenging neurological situations. What they discovered is that we are not victims of our biology or our circumstances, but it is how we react to those things that determine what comes out of those things. And circumstances of life have an enormous effect on us, but they do not have to determine the outcome of our life. Medical science began to see these kind of things come to pass. They began to discover that somebody, someone, could do something about it when they set their mind to do it. And so they started working in a new field of medical science was developed called neuroplasticity, which simply means that your brain, they have discovered that the human brain is not fixed like a computer or it's not hardwired and only functioning that way, but it is very malleable and adaptable and changes, get this, moment by moment and day by day. So for anybody that says, well, that's just, I'm just fixed. That's just something you've convinced yourself of because that's not what the scripture or what science says is possible with us. Amen. So you'll get it. You'll get with me in a minute. Anyway, science, <clears throat> this is what they said. We have begun to see that the brain has renewable characteristics. It has renewable character. It is no longer viewed as a machine, hardwired, unable to adapt, and wearing out with age. But brain imaging has allowed them to track these changes so that now, through certain types of imaging, they can even see the firing of neurons going on in the brain as men are thinking and as those thought processes begin to work their way out in their brain. They can even, by something called quantum mechanics, even predict the elusive function of the mind between thinking and choosing. All by this imaging that they have been able to discover in the use of their science. And so we think we change the physical brain and a physical nature of our brain when we think in the right way. We literally change the physical nature of the brain. If we begin to think properly, as we conclude, as we consciously direct our thinking, they said we are, we are wired not to toxic patterns of thinking, but we can replace them with healthy thoughts whenever we desire to do so. More often than we like to admit, many times we let circumstances control us. What's happening to us, 
not us controlling circumstances and understanding that the brain is plastic and can actually be changed by the mind gives hope to everyone no matter what their circumstances. And this is what they discovered in their studies. That when they worked with autistic children that were considered limited, they have seen unbelievable results in their scholastic results because they have worked on helping them think better and think more positively and think better about themselves. They have found that not only that, but senior citizens, I'm going to talk to you right now, and me, senior citizens who have written themselves off and and feel like they're too old to learn, that they have stimulated their thinking, and many of them in their high 80s have gone back to school and got their degrees and even gone to college and got a college degree. And we would have said they're too old to learn, but not according to how God made you. Because your brain has the ability to change your whole life. But it starts with how you think, because your thinking is what affects that brain to cause the body to function in the way it does. And if the thinking doesn't get fixed, it doesn't matter what else you try to do to this body. You're not going to get it right. Okay, understanding this you can, you, I don't have time to go on all that. I'm going to, I'm going to move on. So they discovered the impact of my thinking and the choices that I make in my life and how they affect the body to recover, to overcome, to rise above, to recuperate. And they discovered how the results of my decisions, listen to this. They have discovered how the results of my decisions and my choices can actually pass through the seed of a man and a woman and go to the fourth generation of their family. That's amazing. And you know what the scripture says about that? The scripture says in Exodus 34, 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. What goes on up here has the ability to be passed through your genes to your children and to your grandchildren. That's why our choices, that's why our choices, that's why our decisions need to be weighed very carefully because I could be setting something in motion that it won't affect me and it may not affect my son, but it could affect my grandchild and my grandchild's children because of something that I was foolish in doing in my present circumstance. And you say, I don't want that kind of burden. Well, you've already got it because that's the way God made us. We don't live to ourselves. We're not an island to ourselves. And so I'm going to get, I'm going to get here. I'm, my brother's fixing to chime in. This is what they've discovered. This is what medical science has discovered. Listen to me. He said, they said that you are not a victim of biology the way you are made. They discovered that your body is not in control of your mind. But your mind is in control of your body. And that your mind is stronger than your body. David Gogan is a gentleman that very few people know about or have ever heard of. He is a Navy SEAL that when he graduated from high school went into the Air Force and served his time of duty in the Air Force and went to the tactical training of the Air Force. Left, retired, went to work, and one day saw a brochure on a Navy SEAL and decided he wanted to be one. At the time, 
He was 290 pounds. But he wanted to join the Navy SEALs. He's over six foot tall, and most of them are under five foot tall. But he desired to join them. And so he got with a a trainer that began to help him. And in three months' time, lost uh, 70-something pounds to where he was now at the right weight to join. He went into the Navy joined the SEALs, and went through the part of training they called the Hell Week, which is 125 hours of constant training with only two hours of sleep in that 125 hours. That's five days and five hours. And he didn't come out the first time or the second time, but the third time he made it through. Became a Navy SEAL went into the military and served and coming back, uh, several of his friends uh, died in a mission. So he decides to raise money for them. Now, he's never ran in his life. And they are having a 100-mile marathon, not 27-mile, 100-mile marathon, And they have to run it in less than 24 hours. And he signed up for it. When he arrives, they said, he arrived with a lawn chair, one 32-ounce bottle of water, and a package of saltine crackers in a backpack. He strapped the lawn chair to his back, and the backpack was strapped to that, and he began running. He made it to mile 70. At mile 70, every bone, small bone in both feet were broken. His shin splints were so bad he couldn't walk. And so at mile 70, he considered that he would just quit and throw in the towel and say he couldn't do it. But instead, he took duct tape, wrapped his feet tightly, then wrapped his legs tightly and continued running. Now, there were other people there running it in teams, not individually. And they saw him in this condition. His body was bleeding internally. He was actually close to death at the time. But he got up and finished that last 30 miles in less than 17 Hours. When he was through, there were people started asking him, how in the world were you able to do that? And his response was, my SEAL training. He said, we're taught in the SEALs that when your mind says you can't go one step further, you have exhausted all your resources and you can't do one thing else, You've only used 40% of your ability. You still have 60 left. And so he said, I convinced myself that that 60 was still available, and he got up and finished the next 30 miles. Not as fast as he finished the first 70 miles in 12 hours, and he finished the next 30 miles in 5 hours. But he finished. Now, when you ask him, about running, he says he hates to run. He despises running. But he recognized that suffering was a challenge, that if he could conquer it, he could conquer anything in his life. And so he chose to conquer it. And he had several principles that he lived his life by according to what he had told other people. And those principles were, first of all, you got to deconstruct whatever you're facing. you got to take it apart and say, okay, this can be accomplished by doing these things. Don't look at the whole picture, but look at just what can happen if you do a little bit at a time. On a, a an imitation climber, he climbed Mount Everest by himself in less than 24 hours. Now, his body says he can't do it, 
but his mind says he can. And he says, I will never be limited by my body. I will make sure that my mind controls everything I do. He says, I have a cookie jar. And this cookie jar doesn't have Oreos or any other kind of snickerdoodles or, or, or oatmeal cookies in it. My cookie jar is full of all of my successes and my failures. And when I get to a point where it says I can't do it, there's no other man in military history that has went through the three branches of training. He's been through ranger training, SEAL training, and tactical training in the Air Force and went through all of them. And when he said, my mind says I can't do it, then I pull out my cookie jar and I remember something I've done in the past that gave me the ability to overcome these things and to conquer them. And I think I remember the scripture saying that you are made an overcomer by the word of your testimony. Scientists have discovered that what you, what, what you think is it can has the ability to change your life, but until you put it in words and verbalize it that this is what I'm going to do, you'll never get it done. But if you can ever get it out of the brain into the spoken word, you're made an overcomer by the word of your testimony. When you can get the word out of your life, and you allowed the word then to become what God has designed it to be. He talked about your comfort zone. You have to get past it. He says, I get up and I never look to see what the weather is. It doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's cold or storm. That's just another obstacle I've got to conquer. So I don't get my eyes focused on what I am dealing with. I Simply look at what I have the ability to do. And I look at my past successes that give me this incredible ability to overcome. If a man can do that by himself, how much more can you and I do by the power of God that's in our lives as a result of simply living the Word? The Word is the most powerful thing that God gave us. He made us in His image. We are like Him. And that image that he gave us, I am convinced, is the ability to create. Satan has no ability to create. But he put in every one of us this incredible ability to create things. And we can create things if we choose to. We can create chaos, or we can create happiness, or we can create joy. I choose to do that. In his article about his life, he said they discovered that when you get to those points in life where you think you're against the wall, what gives you the ability to get past the wall is what you can force your body to do. If you can put a smile on your face, you increase your endurance by over 12% by just simply smiling and saying, I'm going to do this. I have the power to do this. I can conquer this if I choose. I can overcome. To renew, the word has a a Greek preposition in front of it, which means uh, you're going into the midst of something. It's honor. And being in the midst of it, you, you have to become involved in what's happening. And the word renew uh, speaks of a newborn child that has been born. So he's giving us the ability if we choose what we think about and we choose what we think on, according to what Paul said, we can change our life. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are, are, are virtuous or a good report, think on these things. I heard a gentleman say years ago, one of our leaders, he made the statement that he was tired of the stinking thinking he was having to deal with in the life of people. And truthfully, 
That's what causes all of us problems. Is we don't use tools that God gave us to be able to conquer the problems in our life if we just simply choose to. I have the power and the ability to overcome. Pain is not my enemy. It actually can become my friend. The scripture says through suffering, Christ was made perfect. Suffering is not an enemy. It's not to be avoided. But we've let our world convince us to avoid a problem and never struggle is the greatest victory that you'll ever encounter in your life. But that is not true. To go through a battle and to win gives you uh, an item you can put in your cookie jar. And whenever life Starts causing you other problems, just reach in that cookie jar and pull out whatever you have written on that piece of paper and remind yourself, you know, in 1972 I did this, in 1999 I did this, in 2010 I did this. This is what God has given me the ability to do. I am made an overcomer. How? By the word of my testimony. And the last thing that he says he does is he talks to himself. And he says to himself through self-talk, you can do this. This is not too big of an obstacle. You can overcome this. You can get through this. If you simply desire, it is in your nature and your ability to go anywhere and become anything you choose to be. You just have to choose to do it. So when David says, this is the day the Lord hath made, I will Rejoice and be glad in it. You don't find an asterisk at the end of the scripture that says it has to be a certain kind of day. The sun has to be shining. There can't be any storms on the horizon. This, it has to be a warm day or a cool day. This is the day. It doesn't matter how dark it is or what conditions life has produced. If I renew my mind, I learn how to change the way it thinks. Andrew Newberg, in studying the brain, has discovered that 12 minutes of prayer on a daily basis creates new dendrites and new synaptic connections. You want your brain to be healthier and you want your life to change, then take control of it. I have the power to do that. Prayer will give me that ability to get my mind in order. He will transform me when I start participating in the action. God's not going to do things for us. Now, we've had this opinion that I heard since I was a kid that the Holy Ghost is going to, it's going to change you, it's going to fix you, it's going to make you different and make you better, and it's going to cause all these things to happen. But that's not true. The Holy Ghost doesn't change anybody. You don't become God's puppet. He doesn't attach strings to you, and then when he wants you to move, he just pulls a string and your arm moves, or, or he wants you here, he moves you here, or he wants you here. He takes your life away from the enemy that did that to you, and he gives it back to you. Now, I have the power to control my life. I have the power to choose what I want to do, and it's through my choices, it's through my decisions that I have the ability to be an overcomer. Now, I can tell you, as I get older, I understand self-talk. Because I stand in front of a mirror on a regular basis and I talk to the guy I'm looking at. And I tell him quite often that you're, you're not wrecking my life. So you say I can't do these things. My mind is ageless. My body is not, but my mind is ageless. See, because my mind can't see my body, it doesn't think I'm 68 years old. It thinks I'm about 45 or 46, but not 68. It's ageless. It, it has, it, it has no time attached to it. And so as, if I ever learn to use the greatest resource God gave me, then I can change my world and, and I can have a good life. I travel quite a lot every year. Matter of fact, I probably, I, I average over the last 10 years, well over 100,000 miles in the air every year. I've been a lot of places. And one of the things I noticed about Pentecostals is spiritually they're bipolar. It's just as a whole, 
when I look at a congregation and I walk into a place for the first time and, and I look at these people and you watch them as they interact and, and they're, we're spiritually bipolar. We live on mountains and in valleys. We, we've never found the plateau in between. We're either on a mountaintop or someone's got to drag me out of the, 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 the valley that I found myself in. And so I, I let my circumstances rob my ability to be the successful person I want to be. God didn't create bipolar Christians. You're, they're not highs and lows. Living for God's not a high one day and then, then Monday you can't get out of bed and, and, and you gotta drag yourself to church so you can get your fix so that you can continue your relationship with God. That's, that's an addiction. That's not a relationship. Relating to God is a relationship that can be enjoyed. And when I get close enough to Him, transformation takes place. Moses proves that humans can enjoy what they saw in Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He got close enough to God that he started shining. And they had to ask him to put a veil on. Because you've been too close to Jesus. Now, I'm not sure I've met very many people who've been too close to... I, I, I'm not sure I've even found someone who's who's approaching just reflecting just a little bit. But... To shine because I got close enough to him that I, his nature started flowing through me. And as a result, my life started changing. Why? Because I changed the way I think. I changed what my mind is doing. It, my, my body is not controlling me. I control it. See the, I'll say it. I think I've said it here before, but I'm going to say it again. What defines your spirituality is not how much you pray, how much you fast, how much you read the Bible, how much you speak in tongues, or how many people you witness to. That doesn't define how spiritual you are. Not according to the New Testament. What defines how spiritual you are is how often you fight your flesh and win. Because the battle is not with an enemy. The enemy's not outside. The enemy's inside. And the enemy that's inside is this flesh I live in. And its desire is that I don't do what the Spirit wants me to do. My flesh don't want to do any of those things. But David Grogan has showed us, you, you can do any, you can run a hundred miles. He had never ran a marathon in his life and got to mile 70 with every bone and his feet broken with stress fractures in both legs with shin splints and he tapes them up and finishes the next 30 miles because I can do it if I just choose to. If I can convince my mind I can get through this, there is not one thing in my life I can accomplish if I simply make the decision to do it. I got to choose. It's my choice. It's yours. I am as successful as I want to be. I'm as close to God as I want to be. I'm as spiritual as I want to be. The only reason I don't become any closer than I am to God is I just don't want to. There's no limit. There's not a spirit that's going to keep me from doing that. It's me. And it's my choices, my decisions. I'm The older I get, the more irritated I become by pessimist. I, I just have a real hard time with people who think the sky is falling all the time and nothing. You, when you talk about things, you got to see all the bad in everything. You got to change your mind. A renewed mind doesn't see the bad. It just sees the opportunity. Okay, this is a day to help me prove I can do this. This is just a mountain I haven't climbed. This, this is a battle I haven't fought. So come on, let's go. I've got a cookie jar that's got lots of stuff in it to remind me I can get through this. I can overcome this. I can conquer this because I've already been here and I've already done it. Now, you want to blame that on the devil. That's why you never become any more successful than you are. You need to blame it on your flesh. Because the devil has no access to your mind. 
Y'all don't believe that. The devil has no access to your mind. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep. That is an absolute. That's not a possibility. And maybe so. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Your hearts, motions, will, intellect, minds, all your past, the data you got stored in your brain, the peace of God will surround your life and make sure no enemy has access to get into your mind or your brain. It's not an enemy dragging your past up. It's your flesh dragging your past up because the only record of your sin after it's covered by the blood, is what resides between your ears. There's no other record. He's erased it, washed it clean. That record disappears. So the only record that exists is in my brain. I have it. And my flesh has access to it. So if my past keeps giving me a problem, it's not a devil. It's not a spirit. It's the flesh I'm living in, and I've got to start learning how to say, okay, I'm going to be a more spiritual person today, and it, it's going to happen when I start looking at the guy in the mirror and say, me and you are enemies. We are not friends. You're not on my team. You're not on my side. We're not going to get along today. I, I'm not going to pamper you. Me and you are at war. We're going to fight. And if I don't win, they have discovered the fastest way to take control of your brain is to fast. So you won't control how you think, then tell your flesh tomorrow you don't get lunch. You don't get supper. You don't get breakfast. You don't get lunch. You don't get supper. And there'll come a point where your flesh will quit arguing with you and you have now let it know this is not about an outside problem. This is an inside job. This problem is happening with inside of me, not outside of me. And I have the power to overcome all of those things and to conquer them if I choose. Or they can wreck my life, but I have to choose to. So I can decide. I can run a 100-mile marathon. He was out of shape. When he was in the seals, he weighed between 240 and 270 pounds. He was a powerlifter. You ever see a picture of him? He's a monster. He has less than 5% body fat at 270 pounds. Huge guy. But that didn't keep him. See, most runners are tall, skinny people. I used to do that. I, I could run long distances when I was a kid because I was tall and skinny. <laughs> but he wasn't. But that didn't stop him because you can do anything you make your mind up to do. You just have to choose to do it. And you have to look at the obstacles in your life and say, okay, you're not wrecking my life. You're not going to destroy me. Go stand in front of that mirror and practice preaching to yourself. And, and, and start taking control of your life. And when you take control of your life, your life starts changing. I don't know if you can handle all that tonight. You know what I felt? I felt a little choking a while ago because we don't want to believe what we just heard. Because we want it to be some hocus-pocus, something somebody can lay their hand on. It all be taken care of. We don't want to be involved in it. But transformation being God's part, renewing is mine. It's what I'm actively doing to help God be able to accomplish his purpose in my life. And that is a process. It's not something a once and done. Come on, Sunday night, talking tongue. It's all done. My mind's renewed. That is not a renewed mind. A renewed mind is something you work on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday because what you prayed through over on Sunday night is going to show back up on Monday to see if you meant business. And some of you may not have meant business because you let it all back in and you start that war all over again. Why don't you say not today? Why don't you do to yourself what he just said? Look in that mirror and say, you know what, flesh? You are not ruling. You're not dominating. I've heard something from the word of God that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
I am made an overcomer by the word of my testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Amen. You can stand. I don't even have, I, I got, woo. This is what I, I, I came so clear to me. And this is something that if you could ever capture the essence of it, it would change your life. But we are of the opinion that our emotions control our thinking. But what medical science has discovered that that is not true. It is your thinking that affects your emotions that create your actions. So if you have a toxic emotion, you're angry. That anger did not create that thought. That thought is what gave room for that anger. So go back to the beginning and say, God, I need something. I need a transformation up here. I need to be able to do what he said. I need to look in the mirror and begin to speak over my life. Those things that are needful and those things that were helpful. Amen. It is Within the mind to change, listen to me, to change the physical reality of the brain to reflect that choice that you make. And God proved to us that words can transform. Actually, he proved to us that thought can transform because it says in the beginning, God said, let there be. And the word said is the word logos, if I remember. And the word indicates a thought, not just a spoken, but before he spoke it, he thought it. And if you don't start thinking it, you're never going to be able to start speaking it. So you got to get this Bible out and do what he said. you got to consume that word and begin reading it to yourself and prophesying that word over your life. And watch what happened. There's a smile come. There's a radiance that come. There's a joy that come. There's a peace that come. Conflict goes out the door. All this stuff going on in the marriage disappears because I'm dealing with the real root of my problem. And it's not my spouse. And it's not my boss. And it's not my church. It's in what I'm letting go on between my ears that is translating itself all the way down into the hands and feet and my voice and everything else. Amen. We need a transformed mind. And we need to know how to get one. And it's not something you're going to get on a Sunday night. I don't have any oil up here that will pray that kind of blessing down on your life. And there is absolutely no one service that I know of that God could put together that would bring that to pass. But he does it on a daily basis by those things he throws or allows to come into our life to see how we're going to respond to them. And when we come to that door, we throw up our heads and say, I can't live through this. Who said you can't? Who told you that? Your flesh told you that. My flesh told me that. But God said, if I let it, you can do it. He's not going to let something come into my life that I'm not capable of overcoming. What did he say in Corinthians? He will not put on you. What? More? What did he say? He will not put on you with every trial, not temptation in the sense of I'm being tempted to sin, but every trial. He said, I will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. You need to start saying something right now. I can. I can. I can. I can beat this. I can overcome this. I can be a better spouse. I can be a better, I can be a better friend. I can be a better saint of God. I can be a better worshiper. I can be a better believer. I can. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him right now. Amen. 
If you'll come back next week, I'm going we're going to try to put a little more out there, but we're going to get away from the scientific stuff for right now and talk about the word. Because I think he mentioned two of them tonight, but there are a few things that I've discovered that if you can learn the power of, they will literally produce transformation in your mind because they help put the right thought in, in, in before you so that what you're thinking and what you're thinking is producing is bringing about the desired result. Say amen. amen. Say, God, I want you to change me through the power of that transforming ability you have. But I understand that I am going to play a part in what you're going to do in my life. Amen. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your blessings and goodness and mercy and love. And thank you for your word that never dies. Help us tonight to understand how much you love us and how much you care for us. And keep us all in your perfect will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in the name of the Lord.